much below what was expected. So I think this is primarily to do with the abortion issue. And then second, secondarily to do with America becoming much more polarized. So fewer votes are up for grabs. Third thing has to do with poor candidate quality on the part of the Republicans, largely due to Donald Trump. Fourth thing is I don't think Americans like Donald Trump. And to the extent that Donald Trump is lurking in the background for Republicans, I don't think Americans like that. So Kerry Lake was running for governor. So normally for governor, you primarily want competence. I don't necessarily want ideology. And someone just uh, fell off the side here. Someone just fell off the side here a year ago, taking a selfie with his girlfriend. Fell 30 feet to his death. So, why was Florida so strong? Is it because Republicans have been moving to Florida? And that's why Ron DeSantis did better than expected. But uh, Ron DeSantis went way up in the betting markets. Donald Trump plunged overnight due to the election results. It still looks like Republicans will win the House. Kerry Lake is sharp. Watch as she becomes a superstar. Yeah, she is sharp, but uh, I think in governor's races, people primarily want competence, uh, less than ideology. So John Fetterman won. John Fetterman certainly wasn't sharp. So maybe people don't care about debate performance so much. It's time to buy Bitcoin. Bitcoin is in free fall. So why, why are all these tweets out there saying that people who promote Bitcoin should go to prison? All right. I, I don't get that. All right. Why should one have to foresee every possible danger with anything you endorse? Like, why is it the responsibility of pitchmen to thoroughly and comprehensively study any product that they're pitching? Right, they're just getting paid to perform. They're, they're actors or they're famous people selling a little bit of their fame in exchange for money. But no, I don't think people who endorse Bitcoin or famous people who pitch Bitcoin to go to prison, I don't even understand the mindset that says these people who endorse Bitcoin should, should go to prison. It's not the pitch man's responsibility. So I came out very strongly against Bitcoin about two years ago. So only two years ago did I start reading up on it. And uh, I read about five in-depth articles on it, became an expert. <laughs> but after I looked into it, I just don't see problems that, that Bitcoin effectively solves unless you're a criminal. So what's gonna come out of this election? 
Perry Lake has just started, time will tell, but she is ex-media, she knows the game. Yeah, she is very effective with the media sound bites. Sounds like she'll be Donald Trump's running mate. But uh, as times become more serious, maybe people will put a higher premium on competence rather than sharp sound bites. So that overhanging rock, I saw this Sheila who just uh, climbed out there on that overhanging rock went over the fence yesterday. I did not join her. I think crime will remain a winning issue for Republicans. And so they spent probably six times as five times as much on crime in Pennsylvania as they did on inflation ads, which is good because Republicans don't really have a plan for, for dealing with inflation. And Republicans do have a plan for crime and lock up the super predators. Like, why is it so safe in Sydney? And why is it so unsafe in Los Angeles, New York, Washington, D.C.? because of the super predators. Right? If you just lock up that 1% of the population commits vast amounts of crime, you can have safe cities again. So, time to lock up the super predators. Right? That's just basic, blunt Republican crime platform there. Lock up the super predators and Los Angeles would become a safe city again. Lock them up, keep them locked up until at least past age 40. Because if you let them out under age 40, more likely than not, they will re-offend within three months. Re-offend in the sense of getting caught. Right? How much offending are they doing without getting caught? So almost no homeless here in Sydney. So I think part of that is the difference in the American ethos of freedom versus the Australian ethos of fairness. So from an Aussie perspective, it's just not fair. People go homeless. Australians are willing to sacrifice freedom for more fairness. So there's more of a sense of collective responsibility. There's more of a communal sense in Australia. While in America, it's much more about individual freedom. Because the United States emerged out of the out of the pre-enlightenment and then the post-enlightenment the second British Empire that gave birth to Australia and New Zealand right, had much more of a sense that uh, human beings were rational were basically good that you could you know, plan a rational, cohesive, fair society while well, the people of settled America came here primarily for freedom different understandings of freedom whether they were Puritans or the Scots-Irish or the Quakers, or the Cavaliers, but uh, they're still all about the freedom. So one of the downsides of the tremendous freedom in America is all the homelessness and crime. Those are cockatoos, right? It's magnificent birds. America's always been a savage nation. Everyone has always fought each other. But even hard times, right now, yeah. So America has never been as homogeneous as Australia or England, let alone France or Germany, let alone Poland, let alone Japan, Korea, China. So I think Australians would be much more likely to institutionalize the mentally ill. Also in Australia, marijuana is not legal. 
So I think for a significant number of people, marijuana acts as a gateway drug to harder drugs that fry their mind. And you can no longer safely do recreational drugs because of fentanyl. So many people taking cocaine or heroin laced with fentanyl and dropping dead. So the new meth and the new heroin is just frying people's brains, leading to astronomical rates of homelessness. So on Richard Spencer's show, they were talking about how capitalism is responsible for homelessness. But overwhelmingly, the homeless in America, more than 90% are alcoholics, drug addicts, and the mentally ill. Right? That's not capitalism's fault. Right? A large part of that is just drug and alcohol abuse. Now, why do people abuse drugs and alcohol, perhaps at a disproportionate rate in the United States? I think it, maybe it has to do with the downside of freedom, less sense of community. And so when people are free, they're free to do horrible things, not just good things. Oh, okay, marijuana is legal in the ACT now for small personal amounts. And that's brand new. But... Uh, it's just huge in California. I mean, so many pot shops, like everyone's doing marijuana. I have not sm smelled marijuana since getting to Sydney six days ago. And I don't remember ever smelling marijuana in my two months here last year. So that's really nice. I haven't heard anyone talk about marijuana here. because not nearly as big a deal, so people aren't frying their minds as likely on drugs. Also, I'm dealing with a really good class of people here in Sydney's eastern suburbs. Okay. I sit down when I pontificate. Pontificating is hard work, mate. I expected the Republicans to do better. I'll admit that. I was taken aback. So the pollsters had a pretty good night. The pollsters were basically right about these elections. Uh, along with the pollsters, the media were pretty much right too. They were more skeptical of the red wave than Republican politicians. Uh, Republicans definitely hurt by Roe v. Wade. Republicans definitely hurt by the quality of their candidates. Crime, though, has to be a winning so, issue. People are just coming in right now. Good. So crime should be a winning issue for Republicans going forward because Democrats can never be as law and order as, as Republicans. And Democrats run all the big cities, which are just crime-ridden. So people are just coming in right now. Good. So yeah, I, I, I have a, Democrats just don't want to talk about crime. It's amazing. Going into the 1992 election, 
on the issue of crime, Republicans are up 14 points, but Bill Clinton turned it around so that Democrats were thought of as better dealing with issues of crime through the 1990s. And then over the past 20 years, Republicans have generally been seen as, as better dealing with issues of crime by about 10 points. So and now it's up to about 12 points. So, particularly strong issue for Republicans, and it should be going forward. Chuck Schumer. My related question, but it's not directly about the results. Um, oh, yeah, anyway, feel, feel free to feel it or not. But uh, I saw you, you posted the um, you posted an ad by that. I guess she's running for Congress. Oh, sorry. So I subscribe to Richard Spencer's ratings journal Substack, and there's a lot of good content on here. You really get your six dollars a month worth. I mean, particularly if you look at it for intellectual entertainment, right? You're not looking at, at it for you know responsibility and truth. But someone who doesn't care about responsibility, just letting it all hang out with uh, hot takes. Very entertaining. Um, yeah, so that woman was running for Congress in Montana, and it was like about abortion, that, that campaign ad, and you just posted the link without any commentary, and I watched it, I mean, it's 30 seconds, so I watched yeah. it, and I guess I was, I mean, I didn't like hate the ad, but I guess to me it almost like reflected, I think, my, and probably your, like, kind of ambivalence about the issue, because I mean, here you have this white woman, very nice, you know, pleasant, middle-aged yeah. woman, and then she, here she has her family, and her, I guess she has multiple, I forget how many daughters, and, you know, and, and the ad was not very aggressive, you know, it wasn't like this, the really kind of obnoxious pro-choice stuff, it was very kind of calm, but, you know, basically saying that Zinke, or how you pronounce his name, is, yeah, you know, very anti. I, I don't know, so I, I guess to me it was, uh, you didn't really comment on it, and to me it was almost reflected, like, well, these are the kind of people who you, you wouldn't want to have. I know, I know, I know, but it's a, it, it is ultimately a federal issue. I mean, I guess we could get in some comments where we're like, let's have, you know, you make abortion illegal in Montana, like, mandatory in Alabama or something. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, I... Wait, there's no inherent reason why abortion has to be a federal issue. Uh, in fact, that's the opposite of the intent of the founders. Most things should be left up to the states. I don't think that's reasonable. And the other thing is that, like, I, I hate to sound like a shitlib here, but there are many other issues outside of just, like, natural intelligence and race. And keep in mind that Monica Trinell has had three children, so she's doing fine. You know, she, she's kept up her end of the bargain. The human race will survive. Uh, but, I mean, there are serious issues with, um, like, early prenatal testing in terms of, uh, like, you know, Down syndrome, etc., that are... Yeah, there are always other issues. Diesel and gas, the left have no more oil reserves to drain. So, yeah, it's a good uh, good issue to go after the Democrats on. That uh, the, the transition to, to green energy is much slower than the media portrays it. We've only been able to shift about 2% of our energy needs to green energy over the past 30 years. It's just a minuscule amount. And there's absolutely no evidence that green energy is going to be able to supply most of our energy needs for the next 30, 40 years. There's just absolutely no hope inside. We're going to rely on fossil fuels for many decades to come. And, and it's kind of absurd to, to think otherwise. So what do you do when you've got an issue that you believe in strongly, but that uh, polls really badly? So abortion, right? Many, many Republicans feel very strongly about abortion, but uh, obviously it's a loser as a, as a political issue. So there are a lot of things so that we believe in, in right now. Good. Uh, very strongly, right? That we 
may not want to impose on other people, that we may not want to legislate. Right? Just because you you believe strongly in something doesn't mean you need to legislate it. Doesn't need mean you need to talk about it in your campaign or in your private life. Right? Just because one feels strongly about something, nothing has to inherently follow from that, particularly with politics. So it sounds like it's very much going to be in Republicans' best interest going forward to play down the whole issue of uh, abortion. Right? It doesn't have to be on your campaign website. It doesn't have to be in your speeches. All right? You don't have to try to legislate it. You can just say that morally you're opposed to it. Unless you're in an overwhelmingly conservative state. But Kansas is pretty conservative. And uh, they, they voted strongly for abortion rights. Yeah. And the ad was not very aggressive. You know, it wasn't like this the really kind of obnoxious pro-choice stuff. It was very kind of calm, but, you know, basically saying that Zinke, or how you pronounce his name, is, yeah, you know, very anti. I, I don't know. So I, I guess to me it was, uh, you didn't really comment on it. And to me it was almost reflected, like, well, these are the kind of people who you, you wouldn't want to have abortion. I know, I know, I know. But it's a, it, it is ultimately a federal issue. I mean, I guess we could get in some comments where we're like, yeah, big win have, for Ukraine. you know, <laughs> make abortion illegal in Montana, like mandatory in Alabama. <laughs> But Republicans have been all over the place with regard to Ukraine. Many Republicans have criticized the Biden administration for not doing enough with regard to Ukraine. That we have to get tougher. We have to send them, you know, bigger, stronger, meaner weapons. Um, but I, you know, I just don't think that's reasonable. And the other thing is that, like, I, I hate to sound like a shitlip here, but there are many other issues outside of just like natural intelligence and race. And keep in mind that Monica Trinell has had three children, so she's doing fine. You know, she, she's kept up her end of the bargain. The human race will survive. Uh, but I mean, there are serious issues with um, like early prenatal testing in terms of uh, like you know Down syndrome, etc., that are utilized by all sorts of people. It's not necessarily eugenic, but it, it seems. It might be kind of eugenic on a second order. You know, it's like you're, the amount of time you're going to invest in a child who has no future. I mean, that, that's really not acceptable. And uh, there are, you know, a lot of these edge cases, granted they're edge cases, but that doesn't mean they're less real of, you know, women where the fetus is barely alive and is, you know, can't survive much longer. And this they can't be aborted because they're in the third trimester. And uh, this person, this woman is like endangering her life due to this. I mean, these are granted pretty rare, but they're nevertheless real. And I think we should be serious about these things. Uh, yeah, I, I wasn't really meaning that as a criticism. I, I just thought the ad itself was kind of, odd because it was, it was just it was almost like a very wholesome ad right. and, but it's about this very you know a lot of the abortion people are just pretty disgusting in terms of how they um and, and i agree the republican stance like, well, like sarah silverman or something where she's like you know i had an abortion and i loved it or like that yeah, yeah i agree that, that's it was kind of incongruous incongruous the ad it was anyway just how it almost like a republic like, like a republican ad you know um yeah. you know the way that she was showing off her family and stuff but um yeah another thing about the, the um the uh you know the, the, the exceptions that they always talk about incest rape life of the mother well it's like you know yeah, overall, there's no substantial difference on Ukraine between Republicans and the Democrats. There is with some Republican commentators, like Tucker Carlson. But uh, the, the rank-and-file Republican politicians are just as supportive of Ukraine as the Democrats. Was, uh, unfortunately, you know, that's like, uh, we're all like products of rape, so like, you know, in, in, in the evolutionary past, I mean, like... That's an interesting point. We're all products of rape in the evolutionary past, so... How many generations back do you have to go in your family? Russia should be looking east, not west, any matter of time before China takes Siberia back. Ukraine war equals very low IQ, says the chat. But yeah, how many generations back do you have to go until you are a product of rape? Right, so I'm, I'm not aware of any uh, raping ancestors in my line, but of course there had to be. 
And so we have these basic instincts that are frequently not very nice. That's why I don't agree with the enlightenment view that human beings are basically good. I mean, men are basically rapists. They can get away with it, they frequently do. And we are all products of rape. We have that in our DNA. Good point. Not like people make it sound like this is like a you know like a minor thing, but it's like uh, that does happen, and it happened a lot more in the past. So um, I mean, to yes. me, I mean, well, I mean, to me, it's like it should be worry if uh, <laughs> get rid of those genes. But anyway, that's that's a separate thing. Anyway, well, I mean, just because we are going to change. I mean, it is very true that what you're saying, which is that rape, and you can't get rid of those genes. All right, because sex is inherently a violent act. Right? It requires aggression. The man has to penetrate the woman. And so, ideally, you want the, the violence you know, confined within, within marriage, but the, the level of, of violence that it takes to conquer a woman, right? that level of you know, aggression, absolutely essential for men. Now, you want it channeled in pro-social directions, but you can't eliminate those genes. Was ubiquitous, and that there's no question we are all kind of a product of rape on that level. I mean, what you were saying is factually undeniable, but you know, we're not living in the ancient world anymore or the Middle Ages. Yeah, you know, I mean, it is like, fortunately, it is much less common that people are, you know, that, that it's more in the you know generations back. But I'm just saying that the, the Republican types they make it sound like it's you know, <laughs> it's like this total fringe thing when it's you know, unfortunately not. That is pretty dishonest. Yeah, I, I agree. The other thing, like just talking in terms of like pragmatic things, um, I mean, how do you prove that you've been raped? Like, let's say this like white girl is raped by some black or something, like. And she goes to have an abortion in Texas. And, you know, how does she prove that? Are they just taking her word for it? I mean, I think it's fairly unclear, actually. It's not not to, de not to defend those laws, not, not to defend these draconian laws. But as I recall, once these laws were enacted, the provision would say that there has to be a police report, essentially. And the police report has to have been filed within a certain number of days of the, of the rapist's occurrence. That, that's how so you don't, you don't need a, um, a conviction or something? That, that could take years. Yeah, that's uh, right. That's right. Okay. Well, I guess that is fairly reasonable. I'm glad you all added that. But, you know, there, look, there are some weird situations. I mean, what about a preteen who's raped by an uncle or her father? It's a horrifying situation like that. That is not, unfortunately, that is not as rare as it should be. I mean, that, that's a real thing. And are you going to file a police report on your horrible father? I mean, I, I don't know. It just, it's, it's horrible. Um, I, you know, I also... Yeah, but if you're not willing to file a police report, then then uh, maybe there sh should be some privileges that don't that don't go to you, all right? So many people say horrible things happen to them, but they never bothered you know, to uh, file a police report. So it's uh, a lot harder to take allegations seriously when people don't bother to file a police report. I mean, my grandfather was a, um, a radiologist, actually, in Louisiana, but he went to medical school and he was interning in a Catholic hospital. And it, it just shows kind of how, in a way, reasonable people used to be. Of, um, he would, he knew a doctor who told him this um, when he was doing gynecology or OBGYN, whatever it is. Um, uh, and he, he basically, when there would, ha when there a, a child that would, that would be born that could not survive, uh, the physician would ask the nuns present to go eat lunch or something like that, and he would eat lunch, the baby. And it, it was a mercy killing. So my mother, she was killed by an overdose of morphine. My mother. Was dying very slowly, painfully of of bone cancer. She got down to about 50 pounds. She was five feet tall and 50 pounds, and and eventually, something around April 28, 1970, the doctors thought she'd suffered enough. Just gave her an excess of morphine, and it killed her.
so I find it hard to get to get upset about about that. I mean, she was she was in pain. She was in a horrible way, and uh, just gave her a little bit a uh, little bit of morphine, a little bit too much. And uh, Richard talks about his grandmother said that you know she didn't want to be on life support, hooked up to life support for years. So I'm not sure if they have a right right to die in New South Wales, but uh, it was a big political campaign, and I believe it passed. And uh, fundamentally, that uh, people have the right to die, and and uh, they can you know, contract with a doctor to to kill them. And uh, this is this is fairly common in many parts of the Western world. Um, but is he doing the wrong thing? Like maybe the parents should be involved with that or so on. I get it, but there was just a certain kind of like realism that I think was present among previous generations. Um, and the kind of unrealism that's present among current pro-lifers, I think, is out of control. I mean, one pretty formative thing in my life was something that I don't know if you guys remember, I've heard of, but the Terry Schiavo affair from 2000. So why has the abortion issue become so unreasonable? Because it's become a holy issue. It's become a moral issue. It's much harder to compromise on a, on a moral issue than a pragmatic political issue. And it's become a holy and a moral issue in America because it's a proxy for race it's a proxy for all sorts of perspectives. It, it unites basically everyone right of center, right? Catholics, evangelical Christians, uh, trads who, who aren't Christian can all, all unite behind a common opposition to abortion. So abortion is not really about abortion in America. It's a proxy for attitudes towards race, race and uh, sexuality and more race. I, can't, I think it might be 2005. It was after Bush was re-elected. Yeah, there was a there was a woman who was being made, she her life was being maintained purely through technology for I think a decade or something like this. I mean, she was brain dead, and her husband, who I believe had like remarried, I think that added a little like twist to the whole thing. I, I can correct me if I'm wrong on this stuff, but um, he well, wanted to marry. Go ahead. Yeah, he had taken up a relationship with another woman, and they had some kids together. Okay, but still, like pretty normal, re like understandable and reasonable stuff, and. I mean, just the idea that you want to go die on that hill, so to speak, of like maintaining the life of someone who is totally has no rational faculty or consciousness whatsoever is just right. You'd have to have a faith statement that you need to maintain the life of you know someone who's brain dead, who's hooked up to machines. Right? That's a that's a faith statement, and uh, it's hard to argue over a faith statement. Right. When, when I encounter someone who's making their, their position just on the basis of a leap of faith, then like, you can't argue with that. There's nowhere to go in that, that discussion. So when these issues become moralized and, and rendered holy and separate from the messy world of daily politics, then uh, they become less and less solvable. Absolutely grotesque in my opinion. And it's in no way trad or whatever, because she's being maintained through advanced medical technology. And Wasn't the argument that she's like, oh, well, she still communicates with me and she is kind of still there. Wasn't that like one side of it? I don't think Terry Shido was communicating with anyone. There, was, one side, there were family members well, that thought that were Well, if someone, if someone groans or raises up for a moment, that is So uh, Milo Yiannopoulos is going on Tim Pool's show saying people want to see blood. Does he mean that in terms of civil war? 
So, you know, Milo is a very dramatic fellow. He's into excitement and thrills. I can't take his Christianity seriously until he makes amends to all the people that he needlessly and gratuitously hurt. Like, he was nasty unnecessarily to a lot of people. Just check out Lauren Southern's video. So, Milo Yiannopoulos, like uh, Nick Fuentes, strikes me as someone who's just using Christianity for instrumental reasons. Who cares what Milo Yiannopoulos says? Well, he was the leading right-wing entrepreneur for about two years running up to the 2016 election. So he's played a significant role in this country's political history. He had outsized influence. Very talented, charismatic man. So who's getting back on Twitter? Have you noticed that? Because like, Elon Musk uh, started allowing some of these old diehards back on Twitter. Yeah, I was just trying to remember like both sides of it. <clears throat> What's so painful listening to the um, the pro-choice is that it's not so much the outcome, which I think we sort of all, you know, whether begrudgingly or sort of you know, forthrightly agree with, but it's just their um, snide um, cynicism and nihilism, like the, the ridiculous and stupid arguments they present about how it's not a lie. Like, I have so much more respect for all these blue head tons if they just said, yes, it is a child and we have the right to kill it. I, mean, I would gladly agree with them. In, in like, there is some type of natural right, but the fact that they're like arguing there's like a blob of cells and other ridiculous shit, it's just, I, I think it's very painful. Is there... Well, it's really hard to determine when does life begin. I mean, you can understand that there can be various faith positions on that, and different people can come to to different positions. Uh, man, a lot of helicopters out. So I believe that the, the the generic Judaism position is that life begins when it's viable. So, not a lot of rabbis would hold that uh, life begins at conception in the same way it's the same quality of life as someone who's already born trying to like rationalize away something and it's like yeah. there is a spark of life you know when the spark is the eye there's something so let's not like totally lie about this i, I totally agree it's a life form mm. but yeah. it's not yeah. really a citizen you know i mean i think that's a distinction that it's not not really it's, it's not a citizen that's the distinction so yeah dennis prager made a good point the question isn't so much when does life begin but when should the right to life begin. I would think. And, and then also there's just a kind of pragmatic realism of like some bad things happen. I, mean, I think one in five pregnancies uh, result in miscarriages. So miscarriages are, are common. And there, there, there's the issue of Down syndrome and other um, mal effects like that. And then there are just these granted edge cases. But there, you know, when we're talking about edge case, it's not really like being struck by lightning. I mean, it's much more common than one in a million or whatever that is. I mean, these really serious issues were like, I mean, again, these are reported out in nature publications. I don't think they're lying. There's like, there are women whose child like can't make it and is now like in their in her stomach, but she can live. Like it's not a threat, direct threat to her life, but there's like a, a possibility for becoming septic or something. It's just like, guys, seriously, like this situation is bad enough. Like let's, you know, you have to allow people to. I feel like the average IQ of the, the Richard Spencer participant in these group calls on his Radix journal Substack is probably pretty high around 120. Like, a lot of good quality conversations. Terminate the pregnancy and just kind of move on with their life. They have another child. They, you know, I mean, you've got to just not be this obsessed with this issue uh, and just black and white moralism. Yeah, it's, yeah. Also, um, 
it's from the level of like uh, like grad school debate in a sense. The pro-life side, it's almost always presented in these sweeping philosophical abstract. Well, saying that people should not be obsessed with this or that. Uh, Republicans haven't run in part on abortion because it doesn't work. Like it has worked to unite large parts of their base. Now, overall, abortion is much more of a winning issue for Democrats than for Republicans. But to win the Republican nomination, Republicans have increasingly found absolutely necessary to be uh, pro-life. And sort of these saccharine terms of like, well, we love babies and so forth. Uh, they don't, they never, they never do want to get down to the nitty gritty in the way that we are in this conversation and talking about these cases, like the real impacts that these things have on women's health, the real difficulties these laws cause in, in the world that we're living in. Just want to make a concern. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, I, I think I mentioned this on one of these calls like a year and a half ago, but um, this was back in 2002 or 2003, some, some, around that time. So I was a young man out of college and my maternal grandmother, my grandfather actually had died and it was... Uh, uh, a quick and a good death. He was actually out hunting when he died. <laughs> Perfect death for him in many ways because he loved uh, hunting, um, bird hunting. And uh, my grandmother really kind of fell off the she lost her husband. I noticed that. But anyway, um, we were in the hospital. I mean, I, I was talking to my mom about this. I was going to actually, but we were in the hospital and she was really in a very serious situation and she was being revived. And we did tell the nurses, like, we can't go on this. Uh, like, this is becoming grotesque. And again, according to pro lifers, I'm a murderer. You know, give me a break. Uh, my grandmother, like, I loved her more than anything, and it was not actually even much of a moral dilemma for both her daughter and my her grandson. Like, it, we, it, we both, this, this, it was becoming sick. And, you know, it, it was just really not a choice. You have to kind of deal with really serious issues like this in life, and it doesn't mean that you're a bad, immoral person or, or something like this. I even remember specifically that my grandmother told me many times when I was a child, she knew someone who was kept on life support for eight years or something. She would always tell me, like, Richard, just pull the plug. <laughs> Don't make me go through with that. It's a kind of torture. And uh, she did tell me that specifically, but even if she had not, um, clearly we made the right decision. What, were we going to revive this woman in, you know, in very bad health and keep her alive for two more days of consciousness existence? I mean, I, I'm not that cruel. So I just, you know, when you've gone through something, and I even imagine a lot of pro-lifers have gone through a situation like that. I don't think of themselves as murderers, but when they're given this dilemma, they kind of like to morally signal. But, you know, you've got to be truthful and realistic uh, about these matters. I mean, it might mean you're a moral person because doing the right thing is going to hard. Richard, do you remember what the other, I remember the Terry Shiloh thing was like a really heated debate. What was like the other side saying? Well, they were, they were making, you know, comments like what you made about how, you know, who knows, she might really be there or something. But they were mostly like, slippery slope arguments. The kind of like, this is going to bring about death panels and, you know, soon we'll just be able to murder everyone who turns 50 or something. I mean, it's just. Yeah, I think the conservative position is that there isn't such a, sharp distinction between the fetus and the baby. Remember, the liberal position is that we're autonomous, buffered, strategic, rational, basically good individuals. The conservative position is that we're not buffered, that there isn't these clear-cut, clean-cut distinctions between fetus and baby, between brain-dead and heart-dead, that uh, we're not Buffett individuals, but we're part of a community. And so that, you know, what happens to someone who's brain dead and hooked up to life-saving technology, but that, that still has an effect on the wider community. So it's the difference between the modern liberal Buffett strategic autonomous self and the porous self of the traditionalist who believes that we're affected by what's going on around us. It's not ridiculous. It's just the difference between two different conceptions of self. A traditional 
medieval conception of self and the modern liberal enlightenment conception of the self. About whether Nick Fuentes was going to advocate voting Republican in the midterms? Oh. <laughs> yeah. It was about the, it, hold on, hold on. Was it about the midterms or 2024? Midterms. Midterms. Okay. Whether he's a galaxy? I, 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 no, it was for $100. But uh, oh, I, I'm a man of my word. I'm a man of my word. I'll stick to it. Actually, don't, I'm going to, I haven't been watching it. I'm going to do some research and I'm going to screen record it. So, um, yeah, I'll find out. But yeah, I can't say it on tonight. I just wanted to say that before. It's like, okay. no, you might be able to wiggle out of it because they'll, they'll say something like, uh, you know, do, you know, do, do. So what's the what's the philosophy of the hate watcher, Lawrence? I get you hate the show, you despise the show. So when you even watch, you know, some people you know watch shows that they absolutely hate. I, I never do this, so I don't quite understand the the psychology or the the thinking or the predisposition of people who watch shows that they love. Actually, you know, you know, if we're the ones that ballot, people that love her. <laughs> Oh, no, see, the deal was, that would be you win. The deal was, if he's oh, advocating okay. voting for a public role, you win. Okay. Well, I think that one. All right, talk to you later, guys. All right. Um, I'm, I'm a bit confused. Uh, what's the uh, Didn't he say that you said that the quotas wouldn't uh, promote... Uh, I think this came from, like, late 2020 or 2021. And oh, basically, Dylan was like, oh, but I just listened to Nick Windows, and he's just so angry at the Republican Party gave them. And what I said is, like, look, the rubber hits the road, it's like, like he's going to tell you to go vote Republican shortly. Yeah, that sounds like something you would say, so, yeah. Yeah. yeah, much like with the whole Yang Gang phenomenon, or you know, or even I think I wasn't the only one to kind of flirt with Bidenism in some way, where it's like, well, who cares? What's the difference between Trump and Biden? Trump is not so bad. Either. But you know, again, it's like when the rubber hits the road, they're, they're going to order you to vote uh, for the GOP. Um, all right, all right, Ryan. Oh my God, in Ohio, okay, forty-three percent. Ryan is up. Tim Ryan. Yeah, well, JD Vance won fairly convincingly, what by more than four percentage points in. Ohio, no longer such a swing state, much more of a red state like Florida. Before, not excuse me, after they count uh, day out ballots. And early voting goes to the Democrats. So, wow, this is pretty interesting. Tim Ryan's up by 30,000 votes. Wow. The veteran is up 25. Holy shit. 18% reporting and he's up 25. Oh my god, are we seeing a blue wave? <laughs> I should have stuck with my prediction from two months ago. <laughs> Well, wow, Warnock is up four, but that's sixty-two percent. That's pretty high. That, that's like a real sample stuff. Hey, Richard, um, I was watching a little bit of Crystal and Sagar. So yeah, Richard says I should have gone with my gut. How often do we say that? Should have gone with my gut. My gut is always right. I think when Richard and when I say something like that, we all we all tend to have blinkered views. I, I guarantee you that uh, my gut is not always right. I guarantee you that your gut is not always right. I guarantee you that Richard Spencer's gut is not always right. But we have such a blinkered understanding of both ourselves and others. And uh, according to Crystal, she was saying that, that the Democrats are going to end up doing really well because she had some behind-the-scenes data or something. So, Interesting. Yeah. Look, I, holy shit, I should have stuck with my Oh my god, I use my head to boost my gun. Oh my god, that was right. I think Fetterman's gonna win, Warnock's gonna win. I'm really hoping Ryan wins. I'm afraid yes. Lake will probably win in Arizona, that obnoxious woman. Yes. Um, and So ideally you want your head and your gut kind of lining up. Alright? When when it's your gut versus your head, you get uh, you get torn up. So yeah, Lawrence Connor says sometimes I'm interesting. But uh, frequently, I leave him uninspired. Okay. Would you not agree with me? With, with uh, Gary Lake? <laughs> like 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I'm older. Are you older than me? I think. No, I, I, 
So yeah, Kerry Lake is an incredibly compelling, charismatic person. But uh, the compelling and the charismatic don't necessarily make for more competent leaders, right? So people who are good on TV and snappy with the comebacks aren't necessarily more effective at governing.